Today is Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The CDC has a warning about the latest booster. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always to get through that news of the cray, Billy Hallowell and Trey Gons Phillips. What's going on, fellas? Happy uh, mini uh, Monday to you. We're shaking. Living the dream. Living go. the dream as always. Yeah. <laughs> right. I feel like it's the we're at the calm before the storm time, right? Because we have the March for Life at the end yes. of the week. So it's a it's gonna be a wild ride. Yes. Well, it's gonna be fun. It is. It will be fun. You two out there, they're gonna be marching it. It'll be live on YouTube and our social media. You can go the whole virtually route. Walk it. Virtually <laughs> walk it and let Trey and Billy suffer for you in the cold. And that's pray just for, pray for no rain, everyone. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We want no rain. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm going to be back in the comfort of the studio, just quarterbacking the whole thing. So, I mean, for me, it would be a little exciting to kind of get a little weather going on in there. And okay, maybe not. Some snow would be okay. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. <laughs> Trey would like the snow. But He's no going to bring out his uh, his uh, snowshoes to walk through the snow in it. I'll put on my ski parka. It'll be a whole thing. There you go. A ski parka. Oh no. <laughs> Check your calendars on that. March for Life on the CBN News YouTube channel. We would love to have you with us as we uh, walk the route. It's going to be great. A lot of great interviews. It's a good time. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, what uh, what are you coming out of the focus story today, guys? Yeah, so transgenderism obviously is getting a whole lot of attention and has for a while now. But apparently the United States is leading the way in a way that we probably shouldn't be. So we'll get into the details on that. Honestly, this one's shocking, not shocking. It's so, right. But, but yeah. we'll get to the details on that. It's very, very interesting information. Also, we're going to look at a homeless ministry locked in a battle with a local government. Billy's got the story on that for the main thing. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And the CDC said late last week that there's a possible safety issue with the COVID-19 vaccine booster made by Pfizer and BioNTech after a spike in strokes was reported uh, among people 65 and older. There was about 550,000 seniors who got the Pfizer bivalent boosters and were tracked by the vaccine safety data link. 130 of them had strokes in the three weeks after the shot. None of the 130 people died. But despite this uh, trend, this alarming trend, the CDC still says that people should go ahead and get boosted. House Republicans are trying to make good on a vow to cut spending before they'll raise the federal debt limit. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned Congress and McCarthy not to block the raising of the federal debt limit. And Republicans responded by saying this has to stop. We can't continue to operate with these types of deficits. Our national debt is one of our biggest threats to our national security. So the debt ceiling debate, look for that one. CBN News will be covering uh, that all week long. And leading Sunday services on the lawn outside their tornado-damaged Crosspoint Christian Church, the Reverend David Nichols recounted to his congregation how much they have to be thankful for after a tornado destroyed their building, but everyone was spared inside. You can check out the full story over at cbnnews.com. That was an incredible story of survival there, guys. Um, and you can read about it, as I said, over at CBN News. But uh, all the the Building walls collapsed. There was piles of rubble everywhere, but the 70 children and teachers who were huddled inside in bathrooms were unharmed. That is crazy. I mean, it's those moments where you see, you know, in the midst of the struggle and the pain, you see God's hand at work in protecting people. 
it's amazing. Yeah, it's just that you you wonder how how God is planning to use so many of these stories that happen, and and so many lives are forever changed. And the hope, obviously, is that these local Christian communities in these areas where these kinds of things happen will come come in and, and kind of surround the community and use this. I mean, really, a miracle, right, of survival, and and use it to point people to Christ, right? That, that life has a greater purpose than just the here and now. And there's no better time, I think, to have that conversation than when people are, are, are dealing with the, the shock of a potential loss of life. Yeah. And how would you guys respond to, because I see this criticism a lot every time there's something in a tragedy and then people survive, like, okay, the tornado destroyed all these buildings, you know, probably claimed other lives somewhere. And yeah. then people say, well, why didn't God just stop the tornado in the first place? And I think to me, I think that's missing the boat. I mean, I think, you know, God, yes, God could stop every single thing, but obviously he allows a certain amount of suffering and pain and um, evil to be allowed to exist during this time for whatever reason, for his reasons, his perfectly holy and acceptable and righteous reasons, which we can't see. But I think it's important as Christians, as you guys were saying there, that to, to when, when we are spared and our lives are spared in a miraculous way to turn and thank God for that. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, there, there's so much to unpack there and we could probably have a five-hour conversation mm -hmm. about it. But I do think, you know, the events themselves, we're in a fallen, broken world. We know this. We talk about this a lot and things are going to happen and God does allow certain things to happen and, and people are free to question that. But I think we have to always trust and rely on God. I think the bigger question comes when, why did that person die and this one didn't in a tragedy, right? Why did that person get healing in cancer and that one didn't? And I think, you know, I've come to a place where I really have come to understand that when we trust fully in God, we know that if there's a plan and a purpose for our life beyond the moment that he's going to bring us there, if, if, that, if our journey is done, then our journey might be done. And I think that's a really hard thing for people, but it's still that same trust, right? That when it, whether it's an event or it's the loss of life or a survival story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hard sometimes, I think, to wrap our minds around that because we're very linear, right? And we operate within a, a timetable. So we see like this, this is the trajectory of life. Whereas for God, it's like, what is time? Like I've already healed you because that's my ultimate plan and my ultimate purpose is for you to be healed. We see it as like, well, you're not healing me right now, but you're going to heal me in eternity, or maybe you're going to heal me 10 years from now or whatever it's going to look like. So we see it as a waiting game. Yeah. But for the Lord, it's like, this is already complete. Uh, you just haven't seen the whole picture yet, but the, my perfect story and my perfect plan has already been completed. But in the, in our finite mind in our temporary home, we have to learn to be patient, which is a, it's a tough thing to yeah. do, but I think that's the only real way to make sense of the problem of pain. Yeah, no, absolutely. A hundred percent that eternal perspective, right? And just knowing that, you know, I, I don't know why one person gets this and one person gets that, but um, in the grand scheme of things in eternity, um, God's got his perfect timing for everything. And, um, and I think that st starts too. also, like you said, Billy, we can break this down forever, but I'll just throw out there. Um, it's that false assumption of a starting point of I deserve X, Y, and Z. We always just tend to think I deserve the best outcome. And the Bible kind of says differently as sinners in a fallen world, we deserve much differently. Um, and so, 
you have to have that eternal perspective on there and that right perspective of our standing before a holy and perfect God. And um, uh, not always easy to accept, but, uh, you know, I like kind of where you landed the landed things on that one, Trey. We don't know how God's going to use us in 10 years, right? And if God has plans for us in 10 years and we come down with cancer or have some sort of issue, you know, we, we may experience that healing because there is something that we are going to do in five or 10 years. And other times, you know, our journey at some point for all of us, it comes to an end. The, those purposes and part of that plan it, it's in eternity. It's not going to be here. So I think I've become really comfortable with, with that. And it's actually brought me a lot of peace. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to head into our focus story now here. And, um, as you mentioned at the top trade transgenderism, it's increasingly pervasive in our culture, but the U S is apparently leading the way, uh, in not not in not a good way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what's the new analysis here on the topic? Yeah, so minors in the United States have more access, which this, like you said also, Dan, this is like shocking, but not shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, minors in the U.S. have more access to transgender surgeries and treatments like hormone therapies, puberty blockers, all of that than any European country. Uh, according to a newly released study, which again is not surprising, it's similar to abortion, right? We have we're the most open uh, compared to all pretty much European countries when it comes to abortion. Uh, we've covered that issue as well as this transgender issue a whole lot here at CBN and Faithwire. So researchers with Do No Harm, that's the organization, they analyzed all the laws in Europe across several different countries and in America and found that minors in the U.S. can more easily access and obtain puberty blockers, hormonal therapies, and sex change surgeries, oftentimes without parental consent uh, than youth in European countries. So this data is interesting because it comes just a few months. If y'all remember last fall, uh, Vanderbilt University's pediatric gender clinic faced a whole lot of backlash. Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire was the first one to kind of crack that story open uh, for the transgender surgeries and treatments they were giving to minors. And by the way, keeping... Um, keeping Christians who potentially worked in this clinic from from backing away from doing these procedures, they you know they couldn't religiously object to it. They could just lose their jobs. Essentially, was was the story how it ended up turning out. Uh, they ended up facing Vanderbilt so much criticism uh, that they actually shut down their clinic in in early October. So it's interesting to see this kind of awakening in our culture, but also we're seeing the media and the left and so many of these hospitals really leaning in and still pushing forward, even though there is this parental backlash happening. It's all very interesting. I think of the Matt Walsh documentary from you know, the yeah. commentator from the Daily Wire, the scene that was viral, uh, promotional clip, preview clip of him in you know somewhere in Africa talking to what appeared to be some some tribal leaders, asking them, hey, can a man become a woman? And they laughed. You know, and so I'm sure Europe isn't, you know, that traditional, but it seems like they're not as far along on this trend as we are. Yeah, it's interesting. So I I don't think it's that they weren't as far along. I think it's that they're further along in realizing the problems of it because we were kind of on par with one another. Uh, But now Europe is kind of backtracking. A lot of countries are backtracking on things that they had done. Uh, So CBN reported in July that England shut down its only dedicated gender identity clinic that was specifically for children and young people 
following reports that those kinds of treatments were, quote, not safe. Uh, That study found that the Gender Identity Service at the Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust was essentially, you know, rushing kids into taking risky drugs that are being used for off-label purposes, just like we're doing in the United States, think puberty blockers, uh, and then also undergoing irreversible surgeries, all in the name of gender dysphoria, uh, often bypassing treatment for mental health issues or the data that suggests that a lot of times kids, particularly younger kids, who are uh, exhibiting symptoms of gender dysphoria, nine times out of ten ultimately end up outgrowing those feelings. Uh, The Mm -hmm. report stated that, quote, brain maturation may be temporarily or permanently disrupted by puberty blockers, which could have significant impact on the ability to make complex risk-laden decisions as well as possible longer-term neuropsychological consequences. So essentially all that is to say we're doing these things that are essentially just experimental. We don't know what it's going to look like 30 years down the road when they've gone through puberty. Uh, it's been blocked or it's been altered in some ways. There's bo- their bodies, of course, have been completely changed. What is their health going to look like when they're 30 and 40 years old? Uh, Europe is saying, we don't really know, so maybe we should you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Sweden has also backed away too. They've been one of the, the most outspoken in backing away from some of these transgender surgeries and treatments for minors for the same reason. Yeah, you would think, I think under a normal situation, anyone, when you have people coming out, and there are lots of them that are coming out and saying, hey, I regret this. Here's what I wish I knew. I mean, instead of what you're seeing from these hospitals, which is disturbing, is the flowery sort of soft music and this is great campaign without any of the warnings. I mean, all of the other things just about that have health risks with them in the country, the government's forcing us to put warning labels on them. You know, you can't can't buy cigarettes without the surgeon's general warning on it. Um, you can't put these pills out there without um, the eighteen hundred you know Chantix with all the side effects that are going along on them. You've got to put this stuff out here, but there doesn't seem to be a serious effort, at least here in America, not yet, about the side effects of transitioning your kid. Um, yeah. It seems like it. It seems like common sense, and maybe Europe and some other countries are figuring that out before we have hopefully we will soon too is there anything the biden administration is responding with are they saying anything about this study yeah i think it's interesting the point that you make about when it comes to cigarettes or even alcohol or whatever uh that we have this dichotomy in our culture right we're supposed to trust the eight-year-old right to make a decision yeah. that literally like quite literally will alter their life for the rest of their life Uh, But we're supposed to trust the eight-year-old to make that decision. But then we have all of these warnings for actual adults uh, to, you know, when it comes to to what they're going to consume and the FDA wants to weigh in on whether they should be doing it or not. Um, But so this is an endocrinologist. His name is Dr. William Malone. Uh, He called the transgender treatment of children, quote, the biggest medical and ethical scandal of modern times. However, the Biden administration, with this study, with what endocrinologists like Dr. Malone, uh, despite those comments, Biden is really leaning in pretty hard on this. So Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becara, uh, he said in December that the White House supports uh, using government funding to for transgender procedures on minors and adults uh, that healthcare providers deem, quote, medically necessary. Uh, He also, again, repeated this leftist claim that Biden himself has made several times uh, that such treatments are life-saving. 
without really digging deep into what are the potential ramifications, not just physically, but psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, also as Christians, we need to consider that too. Uh, then in October, uh, when all of this Vanderbilt news was coming to a head, Biden actually told a transgender TikTok activist uh, that uh, the laws disallowing irreversible transgender surgeries on children are, quote, outrageous. And he even called them immoral, if that's any indication of where the White House is, is yeah. thinking, despite all of these concerns that we've talked about. Well, and it's hard to imagine that we're going to get a balanced, um, unbiased policy from the Biden administration when Rachel Levine is currently, you know, in the position that they're in at the White House, I think, what is it, health secretary or something like that. But they clearly advocate, they being he, Rachel Levine, um, a transgender, that you can do this and that this is, he actually advocates for it being a healthy thing. So you know where the Biden administration is going to land on this. And when you're having transgender TikTok and you're pandering to all that, you know where they're going to land. So this is, um, it doesn't seem like uh, if people are going to go by that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any change on this anytime soon. Yeah, well, it's all the disconnection from truth, right? I mean, that's what all of this is. Whether you're talking about kids being overweight, now now the recommendations it has to do with, you know, oh, you know, give them pills, do surgery. I mean, all of this is, it's, it's a really disturbing part of this trend of we no longer know what the truth is, so we get to decide. And you just end up with this rubber band ball that just keeps falling apart. You keep scrambling to try to put the rubber bands back on but they just keep popping and snapping and i think that's what we're watching but the the hard part about this is that you're dealing with kids i mean this would be considered in any other era and i'm just going to say this any other era outside of the last two to three years this would be considered child abuse Abuse. hands down right without even a question no without even a question yeah absolutely and look we're christians here and of course we assume that most of you listening are christians as well and we all know how God made us, what our identity lies in, and that that this type of ideology, the gender ideology, flies in the face of that. Now, we can have empathy or sympathy with people who suffer from gender dysphoria, but let's not get it twisted on what the treatment of that is. The The treatment is truth, and this is just feeding into a lie if you go down this road. And so it's you know, as Christians, we have to respond, and it's a challenging time to have to respond because the language that so many activists are using, like you were mentioning earlier in the story you were reporting on, Trey, they you, they make it sound like you're the one being harm, you're harming, that that's a harmful right. response. Like this, no, the harmful response is to physically mutilate the child at before they know and are mature. And which it wouldn't be a good choice anyway later on in life, but at least if someone's of age, they can make their own decisions. But um, it's it's all very tragic. It's all very sad. Um, but um, nevertheless, it's good to stay apprised as to what is going on because this is the world we live in, and this is the way it's going. And as Christians, we need to be equipped on how to respond. So I thank you for bringing that story, Trey. We are going to head into the main thing now, and. There's a homeless ministry locked in a battle with a local government, and it could profoundly impact its ability to operate. Billy Hallowell has the story on today's Main Thing. A ministry in Tennessee is hitting back after the government reportedly sent a cease and desist letter precluding the organization from operating. Ryan Gardner, an attorney with First Liberty, joins us to discuss the case. 
So Ryan, the Father's House, a homelessness ministry that's part of a church in Tennessee, they received a cease and desist letter that is impacting their operations. Can you explain what's going on here? Absolutely. So as you said, the Father's House is a ministry run by a husband and wife who actually were drug addicts themselves, and then they escaped that drug addiction, and now they feel called to go into ministry to minister to other men who are seeking to escape the trappings of drug addiction. And when they decided they wanted to do this, they reached out to the city, asked what needed to be done, and the city basically told them that nothing needed to be done and that they were free to do this. They then went on to get approval from the Tennessee Department of Corrections to be transitional housing for the very type of men that they're targeting to help. And after all of this happened, the city suddenly changed its tune and said that they needed to install sprinklers and a firewall in the facility at a cost of about $85,000, which would just be crippling to them. And since then, they sent them a cease and desist order that says they cannot operate this ministry until they meet those requirements. Now, this is Westmoreland, Tennessee, the city where this is going on. And as you said, according to the account here, they were given clearance to do this. Now, this particular structure is tied to a local church, correct? It is. It's an extension that was built upon an original church. And I think the extension was built in the 90s. So so the sticking point for the city, according to the cease and desist letter, are these sprinklers and other things that have to do with city ordinances, right? Correct. So what has this done now? And I think this is probably that the answer is probably implicit to what I'm about to ask you. But but here is this organization, this husband and wife. They're looking to do this good work of helping people transition out of prison, escape homelessness, overcome drug and substance abuse and addiction. And they get this cease and desist letter. What does that mean for their operations? At the moment, it has crippled their ministry where they're not able to operate. They're not able to help people who are on the streets right now and who are in desperate need of help and have nowhere else to go. Were they previously before this cease and desist? Cause I know they were getting up and running. Had they already started housing people before this or, or did this come down before they were able to start? They were in the early process and are housing, were housing one individual. Maybe it was, it was barely early on, but since that cease and desist letter in August, they have been halted. Now, First Liberty has come into this case, and you, along with another law firm, sent off a letter to the city there. What are you hoping to gain through that letter? Absolutely. We're hoping that the city does the right thing. Through this letter, we're hoping that we can work with the city and help them to see the error of their ways and help them to understand the value that the Father's House will bring to their community and helping their citizens. Yeah, from the city's perspective, is the fear uh, a fear of fires or other issues? You know, you're looking at ordinances that are on the books, and yet you have this organization, again, tied to a church, trying to do this good work and actually help the city out. Because if churches and people don't step in to do this work, who does it fall on? It falls to government resource to then house people and do this. And we know the government is not as efficient as obviously individuals and churches are. So so really, what is behind this? What the city has said is that they're concerned about fire safety, but digging into the codes a little bit, and I won't dig too far into the legal weeds on this, we believe that the city is misapplying its own code and that the requirements they are attempting to impose on the Father's House 
do not in fact imply to them. So that begs the question of, of if there's hostility to their religious ministry that they're trying to run and the types of people that they're trying to house. So so let's say the city ignores the letter here that that your law firm and another law firm have, have sent to them. Let's say the cease and desist letter does not go away and this ministry, the father's house, is continue, continually crippled. What would come next in this case? If we cannot convince the city to do the right thing, then we will have our clients will have to take the next steps to uh, assert their legal rights. They are protected by both state and federal law. Tennessee has a special statute that protects religious practices and says that the government cannot burden those practices unless it has a really, really good reason for doing so and is doing and is accomplishing that goal through the least burdensome means possible. And here, the crippling uh, amounts that they're trying to force this ministry to pay are not the least restrictive means of accomplishing their goal. Now, have there been similar cases to this where there's been a favorable outcome to to those seeking it? In this case, the the husband and wife and the ministry. I'm not aware of any other similar cases to this. This one is is pretty unique, honestly. Well, I appreciate you coming on and explaining this. You know, we've seen a number of these cases where individuals are feeding the homeless out in parks. You know, there are different cases that aren't quite, you know, equitable to this one. But the point is people are trying to do good work and there are government restrictions and regulations that often prevent that work from being done. And of course, everybody wants to see safety and, and all of that. And we understand regulations to a degree. Uh, but But this is intriguing in that they were purportedly told they could do it something changed. And before you go, actually, do you have any indication of what changed between them saying they didn't need any other permits and everything was good and suddenly they received this cease and desist? We don't know. And we're hoping to to find out that answer as we work with the city and hopefully get them to do the right thing. Well, Ryan, I so appreciate your time and coming on. I'm looking forward to catching up with you more on this case as it develops. Absolutely. And and if anybody wants to learn more about this case or any other, just go to firstliberty.org. All right, Billy, thanks so much for that conversation there. Really appreciate it. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. So I've been encountering a lot of conversion stories lately and just incredible, insane stories. And Ephesians 5, 8 stands out to me. Um, It reads, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And just that juxtaposition between living in darkness, not even realizing it, and then finding the light in Christ and then being implored to live as children of light of light. It's just a, a powerful message. Yeah. And and you think about just light and how it's used in scripture so often and in heaven that there isn't going to be any darkness because God is dwelling there with us. And so God is light. I mean, just there's so much there. And when you're looking into it and the, the imagery and just um, how we're to be and the hope we have ahead. Um, I love any scripture that's talking about light. It's phenomenal. Yeah, you know, I think, and this is, has become a cliche, but I think it sounds cliche because it's true, right? Is that for a lot of people, us as believers are the only Jesus that they've ever seen yeah. or that they see on a daily basis. So it's just a good reminder um, to be that light in, in in the world because we don't know what people's lives are looking like day in and day out. We don't know what's behind the curtain, and being that hopeful voice in the midst of whatever darkness they're going through, I think is so is so important. Couldn't agree more. All right. Great place to leave it here on this Tuesday episode of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't and leave a rating if you have it, a comment. Come on, let us know how you feel. 
Lord willing and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then. <laughs>